1: Highlights from another FFPC main event out of the 11 hole. That's what we're talking about on this episode of Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at yardspergretch. Find my Substack at bengretch.substack.com with me as always is Sean Siegel, who you can find at RotoViz. And Sean, we drafted, we're drafting Saturday morning, September 4th. We drafted Friday morning, September 3rd. And released multiple episodes on that where we did all of our hot takes and those types of things. This would probably be a little bit of a, a quicker episode where we kind of just have some snippets and some highlights from this draft. We were hoping to get something in the first half of the draft so we could get some more player targets that we like, especially in the middle rounds that have ADPs that make more sense for the earlier draft slots. Instead we got pick 11. So
2: not nine, not not pick nine. It does break my four draft streak out of the nine slot. Are you sure we were asking for an earlier pick Ben or were we saying let's draft 11th and maybe we can do like a robust running back draft and either prove it doesn't work or just completely change our philosophy for next season.
1: Yeah. I mean, it feels like we should just try something different right? because we're in the same position where if we want any of these players we just have to reach a little bit more instead of reaching at 404 for the guys that we were talking about we'd have to reach at 402 and the the likelihood of them getting back to us at at 509 is now even less at 511.
2: so cool (laughs) that's fun (laughs) i did wake up early for a while this morning and i was dreaming about all of the different possible combinations and it just came back to me. It's like, you know, we could we could try and do Taylor, Barkley, Swift, Hawkinson, and then 12 consecutive wide receivers. We could do, you know, who cares and picks one and two and then go Higgins, Jerry, Judy. You know, one of the things here, Ben, is I. one of my questions about really reaching for Higgins and Judy has been, That essentially, you're just going to have the same draft as some people in the first half who basically have our team plus Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. But actually, if we were to go Taylor Barkley and then take those two guys, I mean, nobody else is going to have that team. Nobody else is going to have Barkley and Taylor with those two receivers.
1: Well, Taylor was going a couple Taylor and Barkley, I think were going into the later second and some. But probably not that combination. I think you're right, of both Taylor and Barkley. I'd be open to that. I think uh, it's hard to imagine that at this point. I mean, earlier when we drafted with Davis, we went Taylor Barkley, but it's hard to imagine at this point everything working out swimmingly for both Taylor and Barkley. It feels like, you know, that that issue of building in a little bit of a bus risk is there. But all three of the top receivers went off the board in the first nine picks. We're on deck. Only five receivers or running backs are off. The, the The consensus top three, Zeke and Henry, Kelsey's off. We might
2: get Waller at one eleven. Would you be interested in Waller instead? Yeah, I think that would be a good way to play it. So you're for a while there after we drafted with Davis, I thought that both of those guys were going to rise not into the first half of, the, of round one, but I thought they were going to sort of settle in at nine and ten. Instead, the Colts have continued to be super squirrely. Uh, mostly surrounding Carson Wentz, uh, and then we'd have had reports too that Heinz has looked absolutely fantastic. So the idea that Taylor is going to take a massive uh, workload as a receiver is probably as much of a pipe dream as it is for Antonio Gibson, maybe even more so. Uh, we are now on the clock. Waller did go 110. We are kind of looking at these two um, running backs. You know, we could take Calvin Ridley in the first round. That's a little bit above where he goes, but. Uh, He's he's a very good player here. We could take Saquon, uh, who I think actually has a little bit fewer questions. Uh, He's going to catch passes. Their team is bad. Uh, It sounds like most of the injury experts we've talked to are actually on board with him. They say they are still buying him even earlier than this. We have 20 seconds. Ben, uh, I'm, I'm happy with wherever you would like to go.
1: And I'd take either of them. The, the first nine picks went kind of horribly for 10 picks for what we like to do. So you make your your preferred selection, actually. We'll go Saquon. Yeah, so the first 10 picks featured the top three receivers, the top two tight ends, the top three running backs, plus Zeke and Henry. It put us in a position where we we're looking at Ridley or Kittle as the, as the next best receiver and tight end. And then for us, it's Taylor and Barkley as the next best running backs. Eckler and Jones go on the turn. So let's take Taylor and, and let's let's have a main event team with this combo as well and see what happens. Yeah. All
2: right, Ben. So we're we're closing in on our third round pick here, and we've been debating two somewhat absurd approaches. One is to try and go with some uh, combination, well, in some order, with Swift and TJ Hawkinson do the robust build that everybody wants us to try. Obviously we would take a lot of wide receivers after that. Our other option that we've been discussing is the ultra reach strategy where we go with T Higgins and Jerry Judy, and then come back and also reach on LaVisca Chanel. All of those guys are going way away from the side of the draft that we have at this point in time, according to ADP, it would be fun to put them with this Barkley Taylor start Uh, one of the concerns that we do have number one is obviously if we do take the three running backs then that goes against the advice we've been given and one of the things that we do do in our drafts is follow the advice that we give out the concern for the other one is that there actually might be that Higgins and Judy were going so late early that there might be some teams out that basically have Barkley Taylor and then a third round pick and then Higgins and Judy in four and five do you have a, a feel for where you want to go here? It kind of goes without saying that no huge values have dropped back to us at the 11.
1: Well, the one that we're looking at. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts goes actually at 309. So if we had the ninth pick in this draft, we could have gotten Kyle Pitts in the third round. So it is fun that we got somehow even a worse situation than the ninth pick. That's great. Yeah, I mean, we named our team Blood as Compulsory. So I feel like uh just taking a ton of running backs and and recognizing that you know we're we're gonna have some massive buses uh, is pretty on brand with our uh, our thought process here. I I mean I have a lot of Hawkinson. The Swift Hawkinson combo is just such a hilarious bet on the Lions.
2: <laughs> when we were doing our team roto draft the other day uh, with Dave Curtis and Blair. Uh, Curtis is basically horse trading us. He's like, I will take one of the Lions if you'll promise me we do not take the other Lion coming back around. So uh, th- there, there are some concerns out there in the community about having exposure to this Lions offense. Uh, Swift is here. Hawkinson is here. Obviously, the two wide receivers that go around later are here.
1: TJ Moore, I still always love. Uh, I I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable taking Swift and just going 3RB and – Trusting that we're going to hit some really interesting, you know, upside breakout wide receivers this year. We're basically breaking in are baking in a bust in the early rounds, it feels like. But, I mean, I just don't see how Barkley, Taylor, and Swift all pan out. But uh, I'm, I'm comfortable doing it.
2: Yeah, well, on the off chance that we do get a pick in the top five at some point later on in this next week, we'll go ahead and take Swift here. Uh, Hawkinson has been coming back around to the 402. Moore is here. We could go with either Higgins or Judy. You know there's always a slight chance that, that one of these guys does come back. The fact that we've taken three running backs as opposed to our usual two or three wide receivers means the wide receiver might be a little bit deeper, although you know how much impact we can have on that with just one team is uh, very much an open question. Now that we have taken the three running backs, do you feel more like we need to get this early tight end? Hopkinson does go, so we don't get that option. We have more. we have Higgins, we have Judy. I mean, I have a ton of more. I don't have any
1: Higgins yet. You've talked about Higgins being the guy that could be sort of this Megatron. And, and we've talked about more being similar and comfortable with taking as much more as possible. I, I really have no issue with that, but I think I would take Higgins personally. I, I don't mind either way. Or, if, I mean, if you want to go Judy. I mean, at this point, like, I'm already writing this team off. <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. Like, we, we, we're we not following our own strategy in such a, to such a degree that I, I, I'm I telling people that I don't feel comfortable
2: that we're going to win. <laughs> I feel very uncomfortable about this draft. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're going to win with the three running backs, you're going to now have to have superstar receiver after superstar receiver. We will take T. Higgins there. I was... Uh, sort of refreshing my Bengals research again, checking on uh, Chase, whom we've taken in a couple drafts recently, checking on Tyler Boyd, and the headlines that do come up when you search for any of those guys is that Higgins' teammates are calling him the other Megatron, which uh, is both exciting and pretty offensive to the actual Megatron, but we will take Higgins there And now, Ben, we have the long wait to prepare ourselves for the very flat section that is round five if you draft in the second half.
1: Yeah, this is going to be super fun.
2: I'm so excited. (laughs) All right, Ben, so we have had the gap here. All the players are gone as we would expect. Chris Godwin, middle of round four. DJ Moore slides to the Alvin Kamara manager at the 411. Jerry Judy goes to the 502. So now the Kamara team has Kamara, Kittle, Lamb, Moore, Judy. I was uh, joking with you that you seem to like that team. Where is your contrarian spirit? Uh, Brandon Ayuk goes to the 55. Chase Claypool. Now at the 5-6, so Ben, we're not going to have a shot at Claypool today like we did yesterday. And and that kind of follows. Claypool's ADP is in that range. Where are you looking now here? We do have this possibility of going all in on the Bengals. It looks like one of the reasons why we should have considered Jerry Judy the last time around is that Chase and Boyd will be a couple of our top options here. We do plan to reach for LaVisca Chenault, and it seems like five eleven may be the spot to go ahead and do it. Yeah, I think five. Last time we thought
1: we'd get him on the swing back on in the sixth. So I'm not, I'm not waiting at all. Where this team is already screwed. You mentioned the number two hole, the number one hole. McCaffrey got Brown on the way back, took Ceh as well at that turn, and then just missed on DJ Moore as you noted the two hole took that that pick, but got Deontay Johnson and Mark Andrews. Only has two receivers so far, but another. I mean, the McCaffrey command. This would have been a really fun draft to get the one of the two, which is we were sort of hoping we might get. A little luck after after the the randomizer has been. I think I said to you that uh, I understand the gambler's fallacy, but I guarantee we'll get a top five pick this time, and uh, I was incorrect. So anyway, we are <laughs> approaching our our pick here in the fifth,
2: and I want to lock in Visca just for why the hell not, right? Yeah, and, and Ben, uh, when we come back around. Uh, It's sort of funny here because Javante Williams is going to be one of our top options that would give us actually the four running backs. Uh, It would give us four running backs, all of whom are not necessarily great week one options, but it would put us in a situation where we could take no more running backs through the entire draft. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, those Bengals, Juju a little bit interesting here at wide receiver. And then we also have the tight end options. Now uh, kind of when we were, When we were off watching the picks we did discuss a little bit logan thomas noah fant but we felt like with the running backs early we've got to adjust we've got to get wide receivers and maybe play a little bit more of a late tight end build
1: right and hope that something falls to us you know maybe we'll get lucky and something falls all the way back like fant yesterday we talked a little uh in that interim period we talked a little about how in our draft yesterday fant fell away to 707 the nine and 10 drafters in our current draft have both already gone tight end. So if Fant were to fall in the seventh, maybe it continues to fall through nine, 10, we get him at seven, 11. That's a, a pipe dream, but we're, we're onto pipe dreams here in the fifth round.
2: Yeah. And the fifth is, is maybe the place that we really feel like the, the big tear break from the middle of the round to the end of the round hurts the late drafters maybe more than any other round. I've, I've got an article on the site kind of talking about that element But, uh, you know, again, we're going to get LaVisca here unless he goes disastrously at the 510. He did not. Chase went. We're up. Uh, Javante and Chase went. Are you. We'll get LaVisca in here, make sure we have that pick. We now have the two picks
1: in between. It makes the wraparound pick
2: a complete throw up your hands pick for me. It does. I mean, Juju has a 702 ADP, Tyler Boyd has a 610. So just thinking in terms of where those guys would go uh, we discussed Antonio Brown a little bit yesterday he's got that Thursday night game I know that you're not on him I've kind of come back around to him a little bit very late but man in the sixth round it it just it feels way too early with the exception of you know I mean he's going to go in round three if he has 10 catches for 120 yards that that first game uh, we have Debo probably as our target coming back in round seven. His ADP is a little bit before that. He won't necessarily get back to us. Yeah, he's my next best receiver, but I would,
1: you know, we have to hope for things like that to happen in seven, like at seven eleven. So I, yeah, I mean, I think Boyd and Juju are interesting plays. Boyd's for me right behind Debo. The other receivers that I have on my rankings higher than Juju right now are OBJ and Robbie Anderson, which I'm, I'm not really excited about either. They typically both go before I'm ever looking at them, but maybe they've been slipping a little and I just need to update that. So that I'm still behind ADP basically, because they're not real strong targets for me right now. I, I guess OBJ could be interesting and Logan Thomas went as well to the Hawkinson drafter. So that's going to make it almost impossible for Fant to come all the way back. I think, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm open to Boyd, Juju potentially OBJ. If you're interested in that by any, by any means, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> Like,
2: I, I think we need to take a receiver probably. What do you think? Yeah. Although, you know, Rondell Moore is kind of in that range where we would be potentially looking at a Fields, Lance, Burrow. So in terms of Boyd Smith, Schuster, do you have a preference for going with the Steeler? Do you have the preference for getting two Bengals and trying to come back with? Uh, I would say let's do Juju. Because we do have the Higgins bat. We're kind of just,
1: he's our, our number one. We're kind of just expecting him to be an absolute top five monster. You know, obviously the the Bengals stack would be interesting, but I think it's a little more interesting when you haven't taken Higgins as your number one receiver because we're kind of just really playing that top 1% outcome there. We both really have thought that Juju's a little bit been a little bit undervalued here, a little bit too much certainty that he's going to be the third receiver for the Steelers. I'll note that his A dot last year has gotten so much attention, and it was way below his other three seasons in, in in the league. His yards per reception way below. In his one playoff game last year, he had a much higher yards per reception, went over 150 yards. They did throw you know 69 passes or something. Uh, people have talked about Juju not having a hundred yard season all or a game all last year. He did have one in the playoffs, a hundred and fifty yard game. So there's a lot of scenarios where that regresses, you know, back towards mo- his career numbers and his role isn't as kind of disgusting. But at the same time, even in that role, he caught ninety seven balls, nine touchdowns last year. There's there's reason to hope that he could have sort of this Amari Cooper like rebound after the the really great. Really young years in year one and two, like Cooper did. Then Cooper had the tough for year three. Late in year four, after his trade to, to Dallas was good. And then, and since year five and on, Cooper's continued to be good. Juju looks a lot like that, frankly. Obviously, you know, that doesn't guarantee anything, but there, it's not like we haven't seen Juju be explosive, is my point. And years one and two is uh, his long reception both years were, I think, 97 yard catches both years. I mean,
2: he's shown explosiveness. And so there's way too much certainty, I think, in that role last year. Well, and you mentioned that he had the playoff game, which – they threw all the passes, but he looked explosive in that game, right? The last time that we saw him, he looked closer to his old self. This doesn't seem to be a situation like with Hakeem Nicks, for example, where Nicks was very good young and then a variety of injuries kind of beat him down. He never came back at all. It's not even really like a Sammy Watkins type of situation where Watkins was not really able to bounce back from number one. Watkins was never as good as Juju. And then number two, he's struggled more in terms of coming back from his injuries last year. You mentioned the target depth. You mentioned, uh, well, don't necessarily mention, but it, it's very relevant that there are two other elite targets in the offense. You know, you could lose some of the underneath targets to Najee Harris. That was one of the things we kind of talked about and bet on yesterday at the same time. And really what was a fairly disastrous season for Juju, he was the wide receiver 16, right? And so you draft him at wide receiver 29. And I mean, I think there's a lot of floor built in there. A lot of, ability or potential to outperform especially if Roethlisberger bounces back a little bit and he kind of bet on himself a little bit here in free agency didn't get the offers that he wanted and decided that the Steelers were the best place for him to you know get that next big contract as opposed to say signing with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs so one of the things you kind of like there about you I mean I think it was the wrong choice but even with that being the case I mean you like the fact that You know, he wanted to stick with his team. He wanted to stick with his teammates. He wanted to stick with his quarterback. He believes in what they're doing and he likes that situation. And so I think that we should probably like it a little bit more than we are. He's someone that I've written as kind of a discount target to some of these guys who are going in rounds three and four, you can say, well, the discount isn't gigantic, especially since we had to reach by almost a full round to get him there. But I mean, I think the discount is really pretty substantial.
1: Absolutely. And and the biggest thing is with our three running back start, we have to target ceiling. And and I do believe, I mean, he does look like he's going to be in the slot again this year and all of those things, but I do believe Juju has legitimate ceiling. I mean, you just said he was wide receiver 16 last year, even with the terrible role, but if you were to get a little bit more, I mean, it's almost like it's, it, it would be impossible for him to have no explosive plays again. You know what I mean? It's like a, a few more explosive plays even in that role. And he's, top 12
2: receiver so okay I'm fine with that in the sixth round (laughs) yeah and Deontay Johnson is priced uh, kind of like you would expect Chase Claypool uh, maybe even a little bit of a discount definitely where he came to us yesterday a discount on what his upside is Juju perhaps not priced with the the possibility that one of the other two guys would get hurt I mean wide receivers get hurt as well And you can't take advantage of that in quite the same way that you can at running back. That's one of the reasons why, you know, we discussed some of the elements of zero RB and why that it works, but there are individual teams where you could take advantage. And the Steelers are one of those teams. If they lose in any of the three receivers go down, the other two are going to be undervalued. And because, of the talent, right? And one of the things you don't want is these late wide receivers who don't have the talent. Their role isn't going to change that much. It's just going to be some other random guy coming in, taking some of the role. In Pittsburgh, in Cincinnati, uh, in Dallas, those teams, if somebody goes down, the other two receivers end up very undervalued. All right, Ben, we are one pick away now in round seven, and Debo Samuel does go, so we will not get more Debo exposure today. The interesting thing, Noah Fant still there, one pick to us at the 7-11. I feel like that would be our pick, that the drafter right in front of us did take Darren Waller in round one, might be a little bit reluctant to come back with Fant here, or maybe uh, a drafter who really likes the tight end to Hammer as well. We'll see what direction they go. If it's not Fant, we're looking at Michael Gallup, Jalen Waddell, uh, DJ Chark kind of already as the top wide receivers. And so uh, Fant probably would be very preferable since we don't really want to keep reaching by so much just to be able to get the receivers filled out. Although the guy behind us has already taken both
1: Hawkinson and Thomas. I mean, I'm totally fine locking in Fant, but do you think we should go receiver and then swinging back and and trying to get Fant?
2: That would be a way to look at it. Is there a guy here? We took Gallup yesterday. I think the same thesis works for him today. Uh, His ADP is at the end of eight, not at the end of seven. And so... I I,
1: I have Gallup as the best. I I think Fuller's going to be a huge target for us. And so I'm a little hesitant on Waddle. I would take Chark. I mean, I, I would take Landry. I'm comfortable with any of these picks, but... If you want to take Waddle, I'm fine with the upside swing as well.
2: well. Let's go. Even though, like you said, I think the owner is probably not going to take a third tight end, but I don't want to risk Fant there since we do have multiple wide receivers that were, we're sort of okay with.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The Fant's the pick we don't want to miss out on here. I, I actually really like that process of deduction. If we, if we miss on Gallup, we just took him yesterday. We don't really need him in this build. If we miss on Waddle, we have reasons to to want to play Miami later with Fuller. There's there's nothing here that is a clear issue if we don't get it
2: other than Fant. So we might as well just take that off the board. So the ADPs for these other receivers we're looking at Jalen Waddell, 811, Gallup, 812, Chark at the 907, probably doesn't make it back, but he's one of the receivers with the sort of injury concerns tends to drop a long way. Fuller still in the last 72 hours is at the 10.04. Uh, he has not made it anywhere close to that point in any of the drafts that I have been in, but obviously there are some drafts in which he's making it even deeper than that. Elijah Moore with the mid 10 ADP, Rondell with the early 11, Henry Ruggs with the late 11. So that gives a little bit of a feel for where those guys are. Uh, Jarvis Landry at the 9.12. So more options really coming back than what we're staring at right here. So you could, you could look at this as a little bit of a luxury pick. You'd look at it a situation where just, uh, you know, we want to get the best guy, the guy who gives us the most upside to win. Is it something where we would be completely out on both Waddle and Fuller? Is it something where we're confident that at least one of those guys is going to blow up? Do we need Gallup with the exposure to the Thursday night game? Uh, those are the options, the picks in between were Corey Davis and Tyler Higbee, not people we were considering.
1: I'm, I'm totally comfortable with Waller here or uh, waddle if you're leaning that way i i think why not why not swing for the fences kind of a thing i don't think Gallup is the same type of swing for the fences pick Chark to me because we already have Visca not as excited about would be more comfortable with the waddle and fuller pairing for a variety of reasons i think there's a, a likely a better likelihood they're both good as
2: well so yeah I, i'll leave that on you Well, one of the things I'll I'll note here and that we were kind of aware of when we made this selection is this is going to give us a lot of guys in the first eight rounds who are, or it's going to give us multiple guys who are on the bye in the championship week. And if we come back with Fuller, which we kind of plan to do, that'll be another one. We do think we can build a deep enough team. We are going to be active on waivers. Uh, There were some big waiver pickups last year that were available. We'll, We'll go after those aggressively. We think we can build this team out to where the overall upside all the way through allows us to overcome some of those things. So we're not scared of going into the championship week with Taylor and Waddle on the buy. We're going to have enough firepower. One of the things that you do have when you go with those three running backs early is that you have this ability to still have uh, Barkley and Swift. Obviously if they're healthy. If, if either one of those guys didn't have the mild injury concerns, they would not be getting to us there. And again, I just would kind of mention here, we'll talk about it. I'm sure in the recap, But the reason we took those three running backs is that we think they're all three massively undervalued. And when you're picking from 11, you've got to really go after it, right? I mean, you've got to take your conviction guys. You can't afford to pass on them because you are playing from behind. And so now we like the receivers. We're coming back with this fan pick. Ben, I think really uh, gets us back in the game because he should be going earlier. He has been falling in the last you know, week to two weeks, he's now in this range where he goes from being a tricky choice to, I think, a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned him in the same breath as Hawkinson quite a bit this offseason as, as the clear breakout guys. It is really interesting. We took Fant and Higby went on the turn, so I think 12 would have actually taken Fant. I'm very glad that you did that. They did take a third tight end. They are very clearly trying to build a, a heavy tight end build. I'm very glad that we got Fant the, the the thing that I have talked about with Fant is that he was very explosive in his rookie year, and his yards per target and yards per reception, those types of things were very high because of some, some yak plays. It wasn't as good last year. Just in the same way that everyone's gotten a lot more excited about Jerry Judy because Bridgewater got named the starter, I think you have to get excited about Fant because what we need from Fant coming back this year, especially because his targets per outrun rose in year two, is he continues to draw targets at a pretty solid clip, and he adds more of those explosive plays. It's sort of similar to the Juju discussion we were having I think with Bridgewater being pretty accurate in the short and mid mid area of the field, Fanta's a guy that absolutely should be taking a bump because of that name, uh, you know that that named starter situation. For whatever reason, he continues to slip, as you said. Makes a ton of sense at seven eleven as a guy who could be actually a a pretty strong breakout tight end candidate that gets us back in the game, like you said. And one thing else I want to mention with our our three running back start, I thought was funny, is I kind of joked in the off uh, section of of this podcast when we were just talking that we might actually be flexing a running back, and, and you just. panned back. We're not flexing a running back. And so when you talked about Taylor having that week 14 bye, I mean, we took these three running backs in the top. We think they could all be top five running backs at the same time. We're almost, you know, I'm totally in agreement with you. We're almost planning to, to be hammering receivers so heavy now that we're not going to be flexing a running back, even though we took them in the first three picks. We're planning to, to, to have a bust out of one of our top three picks and yet still have two really strong running backs. And just so many explosive, late round, perfect combination of breakout wide receivers that this team can win with also this breakout tight end and, and wide receivers in the flexes because we're, we're still going to go that direction.
2: <laughs> and, and I would just like to add on to your fan point, which I thought was perfect and say but one of the reasons why Fant was not as explosive last season is that without Cortland Sutton out there and with the poor quarterback play, the defense really did have this focus on Fant, which both knocked down his ability to you know really have this high volume of underneath targets, but also once he caught the ball, I mean, people were all over him. I think it's going to be much more difficult to do that with Judy probably breaking out with Sutton looking like he's back with Hamler taking the lid off I mean, defenses are not going to be able to crouch on Fant this season. And I mean, after he catches the ball, he's got some real wheels. So we're looking for some big plays from him. And uh, now, Ben, we, we kind of got through this. I and mean, it's weird to say that these sort of early middle rounds are the dead spots for the late picks. But we're actually getting now back into the fun part of the draft where we can take all of these swings on our favorite breakout players. That'll be it for the first half of our special episode of stealing bananas where we're trying to win five hundred thousand dollars in the ffpc main event drafting from the eleventh spot we're doing the highlights today uh may get a little wordy in the second half we'll have to see but i'm sean siegel with me as always has been gretch you can follow him at yards per gretch please Subscribe to this sub stack, the fantastic Stealing Signals. You can get yourself a Rotovis subscription and save 10% with this account RV Radio 2021 at checkout. Uh, please leave us a rating or review. And if you can follow our Stealing Bananas feed, you will get shows like this that may not show up anywhere else. And you will get them as early as they release. Sign up for us there. Uh, we've had a great time with you. We'll be back soon. Until next time, dominate those final drafts.